0: Welcome to the Courage Summit, a summit dedicated to helping you get out of your own way and helping you to unleash the potential that sits within you. Today, I'm so grateful to welcome Ariel Ford onto the show. So hi there, Ariel.
1: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are.
0: Fantastic. Well, look, thank you for joining me so much. So you know, I'm really, really grateful for you joining me today. You know, for those that don't know you, you know, you're very much a love expert, finding love and maintaining love, and I'd love you just to introduce a little bit more about maybe your work and uh, you know what your passions are Ariel that would be great
1: well I love talking about love so I wrote a book uh, 10 years ago called the soulmate secret manifest the love of your life with the law of attraction which teaches singles how to manifest the love of their life and I've also written a book called turn your mate into your soulmate because most people discover that finding the soulmates the easy part learning how to live and coexist with them uh, requires a lot more effort And, uh, so I talk about all the ways that you can have more love in your life right now.
0: Fantastic. Just out of interest, I'm really intrigued by that, that work you've done around finding your soulmate and actually the work involved, you know, once you do find that soulmate, could you mind speaking to that a little bit? What what, what are some of those things you've learned over the years? Um, In terms of keeping love? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of keeping love. Yeah. Um,
1: well let's first define what love is. Okay, because most people have no clue what love is. They think that love is a feeling. Oh, Gary, I love you, I can feel it. I'm so crazy about you, and really, They are literally crazy. They're in a state called the socially acceptable form of insanity. When you're in this state of being in love, your brain is on a drug high. It's filled with dopamine and oxytocin and adrenaline, and you're literally out of your mind. And that is not what love is. Mm -hmm. Love is first and foremost a behavior, it's a practice, it's a choice, it's a decision. So while you will find your soulmate, I can also promise you there will be days when you hate them. And it doesn't mean that you don't love them. So it's really important for people to understand that true adult mature love has feelings in it, but it is not a feeling. It is really a choice and a behavior. So starting from there, there's so much more information to know because people are often getting divorced because they think they're incompatible. Oh, we just can't get along. You know, I'm a spender, he's a saver. I'm always on time, she's always late. I like it hot, he wants it cold. You know, and what they've discovered through scientific research is that every couple has a minimum of nine irreconcilable differences. These are things you're never going to agree on. If you're a spender and she's a saver, that's not going to change. But the way you survive that is you learn to, with kindness, love, and respect, come up with creative solutions to your differences. Because you can't ask somebody to change who they are, unless, of course, they're an addict or they're beating you or they're having bad behavior, in which case you should leave. But for the usual things that upset couples, It's all about finding creative solutions, not about looking for a new partner.
0: Mm, That's really powerful. What I'm hearing there actually is around, you say intention. So actually, you know, intentionally trying to make that relationship work in many ways.
1: It it requires a lot of intention. I mean, human beings are complex and annoying. (laughs) You (laughs) You know, and you've chosen one and you've taken sacred vows with that person. And now it's part of your job To, you know, really love, honor, cherish, respect, show devotion and care, and be, you know, the wind beneath their wings, be their safe place to land, give what is most needed. And most people don't know how to do that. In fact, this may even sound totally foreign to them, because there's this myth out there that I have a one and only soulmate. And when I find my one and only soulmate, they will automatically know how to meet my every need, hope, wish, and desire. And nothing could be further from the truth. If they're really your soulmate, their purpose in your life is to bring you healing on the deepest level. And anybody who's ever gone through a healing crisis knows that it can be very painful So just because there are dark times in your relationship doesn't mean you're with the wrong person. In fact, it's probably meaning that there's stuff coming up for both of you for healing, and that's why you're meant to be together.
0: This is so powerful. Do you know something? The reason I set up this summit was around, originally, Ariel, around my bullying, you know, the fact of self-harm, these things I wanted to try and share and show it's okay as a white man to talk about these things. But what you've just helped me right now talk about is actually I got married and I got divorced and I've now found my soulmate, genuinely who I believe is my soulmate. And it is hard work in a good way. There's three kids involved. There's continuous renewal. There's continuous discussion. There's continuous dialogue. But I never had that in the past. And it's really, listening to you speak now, it's really, really, really helpful for me personally. So thank
1: you. Yeah, um, Harville Hendricks, who Oprah calls the marriage whisperer, believes that we have an unconscious mate picker, mate selector, and that we pick the person for whom we can do the deepest, most intense healing. And one day when I was interviewing him, I asked him, well, Harville, how do you know when you're in the right relationship? And when he got done laughing, he said to me, you're in the right relationship when it starts off as a dream come true and then devolves into your worst nightmare.
0: Okay, I'm thinking in the right relationship.
1: <laughs> yeah, because that's the whole point. You know, we, we were all raised by people, no matter what their intentions were, wounded us. We all have childhood wounds. And, you know, the way to heal those wounds is for them to surface in what he calls a safe container, a safe, secure marriage, so that you can express yourself and receive the healing your partner can provide for you.
0: This is really powerful because I just see, I know we're talking about love as in individuals and relationships right now, but I can really see the, the wider impact of what you're describing right now, whether it be healing in terms of, you know, being wronged at work or in society. There seems to be something very deeply human about what you're describing, Ariel, right now.
1: Right. Well, you know, the truth is we're all perfectly imperfect, But we live in this media-induced trance that we need to be perfect. And so we're constantly striving for something that's impossible. We want the perfect relationship and the perfect kids and the perfect home and the perfect job. And then we're constantly upset and disappointed and frustrated because we can't reach this unreachable thing called perfection. Whereas if we learn to live with what I call rose-colored glasses, and I'll show you mine. These are, these are my rose-colored glasses. Wonderful. When we <laughs> use to see life through rose-colored glasses, what happens is we make this remarkable shift in our perception because we're then always looking for what's right instead of looking for what's wrong. Because when we're looking for what's wrong, wrong with our partner, wrong with our kids, wrong with our job, The only thing you can be certain of is that you will find something that's wrong, and then you will be even more miserable. Whereas if you start looking for what's right, and then having gratitude, well, thank God I have a job. Is it the best job in the world? No, it's not the best job in the world. But can I feed my kids? Yes, I can feed my kids. Thank God I have a job. Life shifts for you when you can be that way.
0: That's really wonderful. Has this been something, you know, the sort of work that your life's work around sort of looking at love, is this something that's always been with you? Was it something? It
1: all came out of necessity. You know, I woke up one day at the age of 43 single and had this epiphany, which was, Oh shit, I forgot to get married. (laughs) And then I started to put all my law of attraction, manifestation mojo onto my love life. And when, Six months passed. I was engaged to the most perfect guy in the world, and that was 21 years ago. Wow. You know, but then once I got married, I discovered something really even more horrifying than being single at 43, and that was I had no partnership skills. I had zero idea on how to be a good partner. What I was really excelling at was being the boss, which I have to say doesn't work well when you're with an alpha male. So I decided to become a student of love, which is how I ended up talking to you today, because as I did all this research and study and books and everything else, I began to share what I learned by teaching and writing my own books. And so without meaning to, I became a love expert only out of my own desperation,
0: as a mate, what what better what better nucleus than that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> they say necessity is the mother of invention. I'm proof of that.
0: Fantastic. What what would you say is some of, one of the sort of if you don't mind sharing what no, sort of the one or two biggest learnings on that journey for you since you were 43? What are the two one or two biggest? Well, things I
1: would say um, when when Brian and I first got together, one of the biggest issues that surfaced was around money. Because even though we were both earning a lot of money and we're, we had our own successful careers, I was born very lower middle class where my parents fought every single day about not having enough and you know the water being shut off, the car being repossessed. Money was a very big issue. And Gra- Brian grew up in a very upscale country club life his parents had a lot of money he never wanted for anything and now suddenly we're together and I am in total judgment of how he's spending money because for me it was unthinkable you know I'd I'd never bought anything that wasn't on sale you know I looked at price tags always he had never bought anything on sale in his entire life and it was really driving me crazy. And like I said, it wasn't because we didn't have the money. It was how the money was being used. And I realized at that point that I had never looked at my, my core money issues, which was I was suffering from poverty consciousness. You know? And so first I had to get honest with myself and really see that I had a programming that no longer served me And I was dealing with somebody who didn't know I had this issue. So I had to get really transparent and vulnerable and honest and say to him, listen, it's not that you don't deserve a $75 bottle of wine. It's just that I've never entertained the idea of somebody drinking a $75 bottle of wine. And here's why. This This is where it comes from and I'm really willing to heal and get over it. But in the meantime, we have to create a money structure that doesn't have me constantly freaking out because my greatest fear was that I'd end up as a bag lady. So what we ended up doing was we created three bank accounts. there was his money, there was my money, and then there was our shared money. So we didn't police each other on our individual accounts, but when it came to the shared money, we had an agreement that nobody spent more than $500 without consulting the other, you know, so that way he could be comfortable. I could be comfortable and we had a workable thing. And now all these years later, I would say that I'm 90% better, but there are still days when, it when, my poverty consciousness gets triggered where, you know, I get fear based and, you know, I have learned all kinds of self soothing coping skills to get myself through it because it's not my husband's job to fix that. It's my job to manage myself.
0: It's such wonderful advice. So I'm getting married again in June of this year to, like I say, thank you. I truly believe and you're you're confirming for me that she is my soulmate for all of the right reasons. But money...
1: And let's define for your audience what a soulmate is. Please. Well, I believe that a soulmate is somebody you can completely be yourself with, somebody with whom you share unconditional love, and when you look into their eyes, you have the experience of being home. And while that's a broad definition, it takes in, you know, your parents, your kids, your siblings, your best friends, your co-workers, your dogs, your cats... So the truth is, we all have many, many soulmates. And the way to have a romantic soulmate is to spend time each day having gratitude for all the love you already have, which then makes your heart magnetic to having more love.
0: Wonderful. You That's brilliant. I'm really excited about this year. Thank you. (laughs) That's amazing. So what I'm hearing here as well, though, is around this courage piece. You spoke about being vulnerable. As part of you know being open, being yourself, being transparent. Is that a critical part, do you believe, of long lasting relationships in terms of love?
1: Yeah, Yeah. it is. And it does take courage, because it's not easy to open yourself up to another human being. But you know, it's like, Can I curse on your show? I
0: just You can do what you like. I just
1: go, hey, fuck fear, right? (laughs) You know, like feel the fear and do it anyway. Is it scary? Yes. Is that a good enough reason not to be open and honest with your partner? No. Now, is there a way to communicate effectively? Yes. And this is where most people fall down because they don't start expressing themselves until they're in a place of deep hurt or deep frustration. And then they're pointing fingers and shaming and blaming and you did this and blah, blah, blah. This is not the way to communicate. You know, what you want to do is just, you know, let's say you and I, are having, having a disagreement. I know we're having a disagreement, but you don't. <laughs> and we wake up in the morning and I say to you, hey, Gary, I have a problem that I need your help with. Do you have 10 minutes sometime today to talk to me? And you might say, well, let's talk about it now. And I was like, no, 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 we've got things to do. Just tell me when you've got 10 minutes. to say, okay, 4 o'clock, let's go for a walk at 4 o'clock. The 4 o'clock comes around and I say to you, Gary, I know how much you love me, and I know you would never do anything to purposely hurt me or embarrass me, but last night when you did ABC, I actually felt XYZ, and then I shut up. I don't say another word, because what do you say, Barry?
0: (laughs) I say something. I'm sorry, right? You're going to say, oh my God, I never had to do that.
1: I'll never do it again. I'm so sorry. And there it that's the end. Now, you don't go to the next thing. You know, it's like one issue at a time. Mm. But you set it up where you you're not blaming, you're not shaming, you're just taking responsibility. I know that you love me and you said or you you did and I felt this. And then that's all that needs to happen. So you can have Big, deep conversations without turning them into World War Three.
0: it's just something? I'm going to be deeply vulnerable now and share with you something about this show. So I, I love what you said about this amount of $500 and that if it's we either yeah. to spend that much, we have that communication. Setting up this summit, I didn't want to put the fear onto my soon-to-be wife that I was investing in trying to make a difference in the world because I didn't yeah. think she needed it. And we had the conversation one week ago, Ariel. that actually I need to tell you what's going on because I've spent a lot of money on this. I believe it matters, but I need you to know what's going on. And it, what you're describing now is exactly what I experienced a week ago, which is sorry, I should have discussed it with you. I should have gone into more detail with you about it. This is what's going on. As you said, it's fine. I understand now. Thank you for telling me, but let's make sure that we don't go through this same experience again.
1: Good.
0: really and, and the thing
1: Really. is, Tell the truth as soon as you know it. You know, and you can start by saying, listen, I'm really afraid to share this with you, or I'm really embarrassed to say this with you, and I'm feeling a little nervous and vulnerable, um, but here's what I did, or here's what I said, or this is what happened, and I hope you can forgive me. You know, and as long as you're doing it from that place of honesty and vulnerability. Most people are happy to forgive you. What they don't like is being lied to or fooled or betrayed.
0: No, yeah, Thank you so much for that. I love, we, we had a little chat before we started rolling on this, uh, on, on this interview. We spoke a little bit about self-love. I'd love to get your view on that. Is it a thing? Is it not a thing? What's your take on that? Well,
1: you know, it's a big thing right now. You know, oh, you've got to love yourself before anybody else can love you. And I just think that's bullshit. You know, I mean, most people have some level of insecurity when it comes to self-love. We all have this critical voice in our head that's yakking away all the time. Oh, you're no good at this or you can't do that. And if we waited till we were madly in love with ourselves, we'd be alone and dead. You know, so I'm always telling people, you know, who you are right now is enough. There are plenty of potential soulmates out there for you. And one of the most endearing things you can do when you start a new relationship is out yourself to somebody. You know, you could just say to them, listen, I know like I'm the most, you know, confident, sophisticated man on the planet. But the truth is, when it comes to ABC, you know, I just shrivel up and die. This is like my weak spot, you know, so I just need to share that up front that, you know, maybe the thing you never want to say to me is this. You know, and if, if I seem a little down, the way to cheer me up is this. You know, so really just start to be more authentic that way because um, being with your soulmate will increase your level of confidence and will make you feel more love for yourself. But you're wasting all this time if you think, well, when I lose those 20 pounds or when I make X amount more money, then I'll be ready for love. Really, what you're doing is being very selfish. And you're being selfish because not only are you desiring your soulmate, they're looking for you (laughs) and you're not available. So don't let all this stuff in your head get in the way of finding love.
0: That's amazing, actually. One of my things I wanted to ask you, actually, was around actually how much does our own thinking sometimes get in the way of us actually moving forward in terms of finding love?
1: All the time, you know, because, you know, Wayne Dyer had this great line. He said, don't believe every thought that you have. So just because you're having thoughts doesn't make them true. You know, it's just mind clutter. You know, so when I have thoughts that are unflattering to me, I notice them and I stop what I'm doing and I and I talk to them and I just say, hey, get out of here, cancel, cancel. That's not true. You know, maybe I just did an idiotic thing, but I am not an idiot. You know, and then I'll go in front of a mirror and I'll blow myself a kiss.
0: <laughs> that's lovely. Is that something that you, for anyone that's listening to us now, is that something you've had to train or is it something you just believe? Oh,
1: God, no. I had to totally train myself to do okay. that. and that's, You know, that's kind of the laziness of human beings, you know. Like if you wanted to be a brain surgeon, you're fully aware that there's, you know, eight years of hard schooling and internship and residency and you're going to work your butt off to learn how to chop open somebody's head and work on their brain. But somehow when it comes to, you know, growing ourselves and, you know, learning how to love, we don't want to be students. We just, you know, take on whatever we witnessed as children and then wonder why it didn't work.
0: How much of you, what would you say in terms of being vulnerable in terms of being your authentic self with another person? At what point do you say... That, you know, do I dial up or I dial down? Is there some sort of advice you would give on that in terms of how much of yourself on a first encounter, for example, you bring? Was it just very intuitive for you?
1: Um, I don't know. I've never thought about that. You know, I think, uh, I think some people overshare too much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really what, what level of detail does your partner need, you know, or even want from you? You know, like I have conversations with my mother that nobody would have with her because I get I get the granular detail of her daily life from, you know, what she picked out off the store shelf to who said what to whom at lunch, right? Uh, but I wouldn't do that with my husband because it, it doesn't forward the relationship. And I know he'd rather be watching CNN than listening to some minutia that is really not that important. So I think, you know... I think paying attention to your partner is probably the most important thing. And what I mean by paying attention is, you know, not listening with one ear while you're looking at your smartphone with the other hand. You know, if your partner's talking to you, put down what you're doing, physically turn your body to them, and listen. And if it's not a good time, you can say to them, you know what, I can be with you in five minutes. I need to finish this. But in five minutes, I'll come. I can't wait to hear all about whatever it is they want to talk about. So it's really important to practice good manners with your spouse.
0: That's lovely. And how does that feed into things, sort of areas such as empathy, sort of seeing things through the other people's eyes? Is that a big part of strong, loving relationships for you? Well,
1: you know, some people are more empathetic than others. You know, I, think, I don't think you can actually change your level of empathy. Like my husband's a very empathetic person and feels into people i'm not so much i'm very much a capricorn earth sign practical you know something's broken let's fix it as opposed to well i don't necessarily want to hear so much about your feelings unless they're extreme you know <laughs> so uh, i do believe that opposites attract and that the reason opposites attract is so that we can sort of fill out the holes in each other and learn and grow together
0: no, that resonates a lot with me again for my, my future wife. Yeah, there's a lot of opposites attracting tracking there, which is good. <laughs> just just out of interest, where, where do you see your relationship going over the next 5, 10, 20 years? Are you still learning every day in terms of, the sort of loving? Was,
1: we've been in a, a really dramatic shift for the last 18 months because my husband had a stroke okay. and then a heart condition. So he had very serious illnesses uh, that... He's mostly recovered from but have certainly changed uh, how he interacts with the world and what he's physically capable of doing and not doing. You know, And, of course, it was unexpected because he's a former professional athlete who's been healthy his whole life. So now we're redefining what healthy looks like you know, and redefining, like, we used to do a ton of international travel, and he's just not into it anymore, so I'm traveling more by myself, because I still want to travel, so we're just, you know, staying flexible, because, you know, as a human being, he's still the most fascinating person I've ever met, and uh, I still, he's still my favorite person to be with, and I've had to you know, let go of some of the ideas of, you know, places we would go or things that we would do together. Uh, not so much because he physically can't, because he can, but because his values have changed about what he, where he wants to spend his time.
0: Mm, amazing. If I could ask you, and feel free to answer or not, Ariel, what would you say the single number one most courageous thing you've done in your life has been? Is there anything that jumps out for you? or? Um,
1: well, there's been a lot of them, but the, the, most, the biggest one was when I, I grew up in South Florida, and uh, I was never really happy there. I always wanted to live in California, and I had an experience where I got lured away to what was supposedly my dream job, and then 90 days later, I unexpectedly got fired. Oh. And I thought it was the end of my life, but I also realized it was an opportunity to move across the country, to move to Los Angeles. So with like $700 in cash and a one-way plane ticket and three suitcases, I moved to L.A. And that was on September 12th, no, to, September 12, 1984. And my entire life opened up and changed because I had the courage to take a leap of faith.
0: That's amazing. It really is this sort of sliding door's flip of a coin almost to some extent. Yeah. Uh, that, that's amazing. Yeah,
1: I hate to think about what my life would look like had I not left South Florida. It just It's frightening to think about.
0: Is there something to do with in terms of relationships, you know, finding love or maintaining love around that not looking too much in the rearview mirror? Or is that whole looking at the past and the future an important part of effective? relationships around love well,
1: you know, i'm very much a, a be here now person so i rarely get stuck in the past or project too much into the future what the past is useful for especially if you're single is to sort of do a post-mortem on your past relationships and make lists of the qualities your partners had that you liked and the qualities that are never again for you so you can come up with a you know a must have list and a deal breaker list mm. so that's where looking at the past is really useful
0: that's fantastic We well, look as we look to wrap up it's been a fascinating conversation so thank you so much Ariel what's is there any sort of key message you'd like to leave leave with anybody that may be watching our discussion today or a key message?
1: Uh, there's a couple of things. One, I'd love for people to go to my website, which is soulmatesecret.com, soulmatesecret.com, and there's a tab up there called free stuff. So uh, enjoy all the free goodies there. But I think really the message of the thing that I know for sure is that what I call big love, you know, big juicy love, is possible for everyone of every age, of every size, and every income level. But you have to be willing to put in the time and energy, intention, attention, and yes, even money into making love happen.
0: That's a fantastic takeaway. Outside of your website you just shared, is there any other way that people can reach you?
1: I'm on Facebook. I'm easy to find on Facebook, uh, facebook facebook.com forward slash soulmate secret.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your time, Sarah. It's been an absolute pleasure meeting you.
1: Thank you. Nice to meet you. Take care. Bye-bye.